Thank you. Lord, help me because this morning I woke up and I was like, I can't get to church this morning. I feel like a ton of bricks is on me. And I'm like, wait, I've got to go. I'm preaching. So um, let me just set my timer here. I can't hear myself. So if I'm shouting, if I'm whispering, I'm so sorry. I have no control over the tone of my voice. My, my ears are blocked. Um, but an interesting thing I just want to say about Dan is that I was going through my old journals that I wrote about 13, 13 years ago, 12 years ago. And I'm a detailed person, okay? So in my journals, I had this page and a half of what I want in a husband. Every single line was what I wanted in a husband. And I'm reading through these lines, and I'm like, but that's Dan. That's Dan. That's Dan. And I just think it is incredible. Um, You know, I'm not the perfect woman. Dan's not the perfect man. But we're perfect for each other. And God heard my prayers And he put everything I wanted in a man in Dan. And it's just amazing that we need to be reminded of these things. As I was reading this journal, reminded of the goodness of God and what he's done for us. You know, we so easily forget what God has done for us. We have to remind ourselves daily of his goodness. It must be our carnal nature to forget about his goodness. But it's part of God's goodness that he reminds us about him. The Israelites, they were delivered from slavery. Yet if you look in scripture, they forgot. They forgot about God's goodness. They forgot about what he had done for them. Psalm 106 verse 21, they forgot the God who saved them and who had done great things in Egypt. Psalm 103 verse 2, let all that I am praise the Lord and may I never forget the good things he does for me. Deuteronomy 4 verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your hearts as long as you live and teach them to your children and to their children after them. We so easily forget. I was in Sri Lanka recently with Nolita and Dan. We were sitting over a meal and uh, we had this pastor friend of ours come in and uh, David and he said to us, Stala, do you remember? Do you remember prophesying over my grandson? He was three. I said, what, what the, little, the little, little one? He said, yes, you prophesied that he was going to be an artist. He was going to be a painter. I said, did I? I don't, I don't remember. I'm so sorry. He's now nine years old. He says he's just sold. Now, they're in, they're in poverty. Okay, they've just sold his first painting for $600. It's like, wow. When you forget about the words you have spoken, God doesn't forget. And he continues to bring that word into fruition. And I'm definitely more of a future person. I'm not one to sit around the campfire and reminisce of days gone by. I am more of a where are we going to be in five years' time kind of person. I think about the future. But that can um, be a hindrance to reflecting and looking back on God's goodness to us. A friend of mine, Leanne, she had uh, cancer, and it was, it was very dramatic and very traumatic for the whole family, but long story short, God radically healed her. A few years later, we were sitting in a ladies' meeting, and I looked at her, and I felt to say to her, God's done it before, and he'll do it again. 
And I don't know why, but I, I wrestled with it, and I went up to her, and I said, I just want to tell you this. And uh, it turned out that the cancer had come back, and very aggressively, and she had gotten to stage four. Doctors had given her weeks to live. The kids were, she's got three beautiful daughters. And uh, we all prayed for her. The church gathered around and prayed for her. And long story short, she was healed again. God is incredibly, incredibly faithful. He is radically faithful. And we need that to settle in our hearts and minds. There are thousands of promises in God's word. What is a promise? The definition is a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. We live in a world full of empty promises. And we've had hard hearts and we've got trust issues for people who give us their word. In a few hundred years ago, the word was your bond. It was part of a man's honor to keep his word. These days, we have 20-page contracts trying to keep, um, uh, uh, keep your word together. And that's why there's these hundreds of thousands of lawsuits, you know, trying to prove, um, you know, that they were wrong um, and that they need to keep their word. People can't keep their word anymore. Matthew 5.32, let your yes be yes, and your no to be simply no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. And there are two Hebrew words for the word word, and it's debar, and it's um, meaning to say, and it's omar, meaning to speak. And so God's word is just his word. But yet in the English language, we have tried to stress that word because word is not good enough anymore, and we've crea- come up with the word promise. It's only in the English language, promise. And we have always tried to stress it by pinky swear and oath and all these kinds of things. But God's word is God's word. It's as good as it gets. It's his promises. All of God's word is God's promises. No one is afraid. A.W. Tozer says no one is afraid of a loving father's promises. If a father promises that you're going to get something at Christmas time, you, you get excited and you know without a shadow of a doubt that your father is going to get that for you at Christmas time. Matthew seven eleven. so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give gift, good gifts to those who ask him? Are you waiting for your breakthrough or your promise, exactly what Ram was saying, to fall on your lap? Because we believe sometimes, yes, God is, is sovereign, so he's spoken it, and so I'm going to go my way, and he's going to go his way. And then when he decides to meet with me at any given time, then that's when we, we meet, and that's when the promise will happen. But we forget that it's relationship. Yes, God is sovereign, but it's relationship that God is after. And so when we are in a relationship with him, we wrestle with the things that God has spoken to us. And so, yes, his sovereignty can overrule what you are wanting and what you're requesting, but it's meant to bring you together. Your theology of God, of, of, sovereign, of God's sovereign, sovereignty, shouldn't be causing a wedge between you, shouldn't make your heart cold, but it should bring you towards God, trusting him for things. Anybody can have the promise of God fulfilled in their lives if they can come into agreement with God. You have to say what God says. 
The Bible is no good next to your bed unopened. It doesn't have the same impact when we're trying to read it as we fall asleep. We have to take the word in our mouth and we have to hear ourselves speaking it. In the New Testament, the majority of people read out loud even if they were by themselves. Are you guys hanging in there? Because I feel like I'm melting. Okay. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes from hearing, hearing the good news about Christ. And so that is why it's important when we're hearing the good news, we are hearing testimonies. It's good to share testimonies. Look what God did to us this week. Look at his goodness. Let's remember him. Your prayer time will take on a whole different shape when you start preaching the word back at God. Because now we're not just praying what we think and what we feel. We're actually praying what God has already promised us, what he's already spoken to us. Let's have Ephesians 5 behind me. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Thank you, Danae. Amazing that Ephesians husbands speak the word over your wives so that they may be cleansed and purified. Do you know how powerful it is when, when your husband, for those of us who are married, speaks the word of God over you? Now, I know that some of you may pray together, some of you may not. For women, don't make it awkward for your husbands. Maybe you haven't had the opportunity for your husband. If he's wanting to initiate to, to pray the word, don't make it awkward. Just make it, just go with the flow. Um, but there were two occasions that I remember when, when Dan spoke the word. I was not getting peace. We were financially struggling at the time. And we knew that we were going back from South Africa. We were going back to Dubai. And I knew that we didn't have any money coming our way. And our electricity was off in our house. And it was one of those things. And I just, I could not get peace. I was praying. I was worshiping. I was, I was, I just couldn't get it. Dan opened the scriptures and he lay in bed. And he just read the simple word of God over me. And I was set free. I just think it's a promise. God's word. He says when a husband speaks life over his wife, we can expect to see amazing things. The second time was when we were lying in bed and we, he read a portion of scripture and he read it out loud and it just, both of us just looked at each other and thought, wow, there's power in that. It's not just text you this message and read the scripture. Let the husbands read over the wives. And prayer is simply praying God's word over your life and you agreeing with God. I want to read you the story of Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth are the ones who gave birth to John the Baptist, Luke 1, verse 7. Interestingly enough, the meaning of Zechariah in the Hebrew is God has remembered. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born, and he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord after to the Lord their God. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? We so easily reject good news. We so easily reject truth and replace it with our own feeble, minute thinking. Something that we can understand that makes sense. Something that requires no faith. He says to the angel, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. So he just thought it would be interesting to tell this angelic being, looking at impossibility in the face, he just thought he would tell this manifestation that's just petrified him, but don't you know that my wife is old and I'm old? Some of us are looking at impossibilities in the face and we reject it because it doesn't make sense. Since when has faith ever made sense? The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you do not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Zechariah had to be silenced as he was not in agreement or confessing the same as the word of God. We need to be confessing what God is saying over our lives. And it all started in the beginning. God spoke a word to Adam and Eve, do not eat from the garden of the, good, of the tree of good and evil. And Satan asks, are you sure? And he has been saying, are you sure? To this day, until Jesus comes, he is going to say to people, are you sure that God is who he says he is? God has given you a word that your marriage will be a testimony to others. And you say, Lord, are you sure he hasn't touched me in a few years? Are you sure we sleep in separate rooms? Are you sure, Lord, because we're irritated by one another and that spark is gone? God has given you a word about your children and they say, are you sure? Because they're little terrors. God has given you a word about your finances and you say, but are you sure, Lord? Because I've never been so broke. God gave us a word that we were going to take the land, that we were going to take this place. So Dan starts gearing the church up. We're going to have a building fund. We're going to get this building fund every week. We're going we're to give. Stop preparing your hearts. Dan and I are excited. We come to church that day and hardly anyone's there. It was the lowest attendance on records that we've ever had. I'm like, God, are you sure? Are you sure that that place is for us? That we can do this with no people in the church and no finances? We've never been so low. God says it's not about them, it's about my word. And is are you sure bigger, not, bigger than what I've said? Because God came through and we took up one of our biggest offerings we've ever taken up through a handful of people. And that is 
Imagine if our Yeshua dissuaded us from the place that we're in today. And yes, we have challenges and electricity and AC issues that we're working on. But let's remember where God has delivered us from, the journey he's taken us into, and where we are going. You know, we call ourselves believers, yet we don't believe his word. And we don't take him at his word. Our natural response is to say, but this makes no sense. Since when does God's ways make sense? Mary, virgin birth, that makes no sense. Noah, I'm gonna, there's going to be a flood that's going to destroy the earth, build an ark with all the animals, but that makes no sense. The walls of Jericho are going to come down when you march around it, not when you bring a bulldozer, when you walk around it six times, but on the seventh time it's going to come down, but that makes no sense. God still wants to do things today that don't make any sense. Let's pick up the Bible and read through generation after generation of what God has done that he will do again. Faith has never been about common sense. And I know we live in this philosophical age where people like to talk and debate for hours on subjects. But let's not add to the simplicity of the truth of the gospel. Let's not add with all of our wise words that sends us into confusion. Would we be amongst the mockers in the days of Noah? Would we be amongst the mockers in those days? Are you sure that Jesus rose from the dead? Because I saw with my own eyes that he was beaten, that he was buried. I saw him being buried in the tomb and the stone was put in front of him. Are you sure he's walking today? Are you sure that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's still performing miracles? Are you sure he's performing miracles today? Because it doesn't make any sense. And this is what happens with our minds when we start to turn our ears towards what makes sense and what faith. We got saved by faith. We didn't get saved by knowledge. We're not going to heaven because of what we know. We're going to heaven because we have just believed that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. We've put our trust in him. We boast in our pragmatic ways, our realistic, sensible ways. And then we wonder, God, where are you? You've been so silent. And then God says, but you don't make time for me. And when you do come to me, you expect me to fit into your understanding. I think sometimes God must listen to our pitifully small expectations and prayers and say, are you talking to me? You don't need me to fulfill that prayer. You just do it yourself. Let's start praying brave prayers. Let's start praying prayers that invite God into our lives. Don't be so safe. Beth Moore said, The truth may be that we have carved a God out of our own image, assigned him the utmost and noblest of human characteristics, envisioning him to be more of a superhuman than the sovereign El Elyon, the most high God. When you read your Bible, take time every now and then to say to the Lord, I believe this is your word. I receive it as your word. 
Work in me. Everything you have sent to do in every area of my being, spirit, soul, and body, because I believe it. Confession means to say the same as. We say out of our mouths what God is saying, and we align ourselves with the promises of God. Proverbs 18, verse 24, the power of life and death are in the tongue. If God has spoken to you a word, he will do it. I received a a voice message from a friend of mine who was just, I just said to her, you know, it was your tongue alone that has brought life to me and has brought life to your marriage. And it's amazing. She sent back a message saying, I looked back this week and I just thank God. I thanked God that he has intervened in our marriage. And it was because she spoke life with her tongue. She declared the promises of God over her marriage. She fought for her marriage. The, the, the challenge is not, do we, are we fighting? Are we struggling with these things? Are we fighting against lust? Are we fighting against um, rejection? Are we fighting against depression? Are we fighting? That's not a problem in fighting against it. It's when we give up. It's when we give up on our marriage. It's when we give up on our, our, our relationship with God. It's when we give up in depression. We say, well, I'll always be that. It's when we've partnered with the enemy. Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 11, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They, ca- they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Another translation says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. Rain and snow has a purpose to produce. And God is comparing his word. And we have no doubt, because that makes sense to us, that snow and rain would fall on the ground and that there would be a crop rising up. But because we can't see words, but we can see the effects of words on people's lives, we can I had a prayer time uh, this week, and I just presented things to God, and I, I felt God say, are you satisfied? And I thought, well, I've laid it before you. I mean, what, what more can I do? And I was challenged. I thought, okay, let me go one step further. Picked up the scriptures and started reading the word of God about the situation back to God. And I felt God's delight over me, and I felt him say, now you're going deeper. And I felt such breakthrough. I felt the walls coming down because what I was saying is I was reminding God, God, I didn't say this about myself. You said this. God, you, you can open up any scripture and you can, you can pray that over yourself because when you're reading that word, the word of God is changing you. The word of God is changing you. And you, and you think, wow, I don't look anything like this. I better, God, help me to be that. God, your word says that I can be that, so help me to be that. Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Those divine sound waves brought the invisible into the visible. As long as creation remained a thought in God's mind, we would never have existed. But it's because God took his thinking and started to speak it out that this world was created. He raised people from the dead. 
with words. He healed the sick and cast out demons with words. He forgave sins and set people free with words. Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent forth his word and he healed them. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus' words are both spirit and they are life. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Are you encouraged this morning? Are you encouraged that the word of God is alive and active? That I don't leave you today without anything that you can actually go back and say, wow, there's no secret. I just need to quote the scripture. I just need to read out the word of God back to God and watch him do incredible things. Just want to quickly touch on strongholds and then I'll be done. How do we practically get rid of strongholds in our lives using the word of God? We can speak God's word over everything we're facing and every stronghold that has a stronghold in our lives. A stronghold is anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. It steals much of our focus and it causes us to feel overpowered, controlled, and mastered. And the enemy knows far better than we do that nothing is bigger or more powerful than God. That's why everything that exalts itself in our thought life is a pretension. It's called a pretension. Satan plays make-believe. Out of the armor, we've got the shield, we've got the helmet, we've got all of those things. But there is only one offensive thing that we have, and that is the sword, the Bible. It is the one thing that we can, I mean, okay, you can be protected with all of these flaming arrows, but soon you will be trampled because you're not fighting. We've all been called to fight. Ramsey and Elena believe that there's a breakthrough anointing on you. There is a pioneer anointing on the two of you. God has called that and set you aside. And in your marriage, he spoke about that at the altar, that you are a breakthrough couple. And that is what God has called you to, to keep forward, to keep moving, to keep breaking open hard places, hard things, hard nation, hard people. Together, that is your anointing. Three most powerful words, it is written. It is written. And that is how you defeat the enemy. Now it's good to know if you know what is written. So it's like uh, something in the Bible says something about freedom. It is written. Let me quickly Google it. And nothing wrong with that. But if it's already in you. If you've been reading the word of God in you, that when the time of temptation comes, when those times of, 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 um, of, of heartache comes, when the times of discouragement comes, we can say it is written. And how did Jesus overcome temptation? I mean, Dan and I on a detox. Yesterday, I was so hungry. I said to him, I'm so weak. I'm so hungry. And it was like 8 o'clock because the chicken was taking so long. But I just, in that moment, I thought, 40 days of just water. You must have been so hungry, so weak. In that moment of weakness and vulnerability, he overcame the enemy with, it is written. The enemy had not one thing to say back to that, to any of those things. Submit to God, resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. Okay. Strongholds of doubt, lust, rejection, insecurity, unbelief, unforgiveness, condemnation, pride, fear. There's so many. But let's look at rejection. It's a very painful, painful heartache. It's all-consuming, and rejection can appear to be bigger than God's word. But you know that the word unfailing love is mentioned 32 times in Scripture. And in all 32 times in Scripture, it points back to the source, which is the living God. You cannot find unfailing love anywhere else but through God. And, and what you do is you read these scriptures on unfailing love. Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Great is your love toward me, O Lord. Your faithfulness endures. Even if my father and mother forsake me, you, Lord, will receive me. And so you take those scriptures and you pray them back to God and you say, God, my mother and my father have forsaken me. But God, your word says that you will not reject me. And you start, to, you start to declare these things. But God, you've promised me. You've promised me that you bound up the brokenhearted. You've promised me that you can bring healing to a broken heart. And then you keep praying those things and reading the word until the rejected believes that they are accepted. Because of the truth of God's word. Unforgiveness. Another thing. It makes us sick always spiritually. Often emotionally. And surprisingly often physically. And the Greek word most often translated forgiveness in the New Testament is ephemi. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Meaning to send forth or away. To let go from oneself. To let go from one's power or possession. Meaning you're holding on to it. You're holding on. And you're letting go. Matthew 6, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Ramsey, you can come and play. That's what you do, is when you're asking for forgiveness, you say, God, you've promised me that if I do not repay evil with revenge, you said that I'm called to be a blessing. And then I will inherit a blessing if I forgive. That's a promise to you. And you can declare that over your life until you let it go. And we've seen it. When Morty and I pray for people, and I'm sure you've seen it. If you've prayed for people, the hardest thing to let go is forgiveness. And we have to tread so very carefully. Okay, the next thing you have to do is you have to forgive. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because it's like, don't go there. And then when they say those words, whether they feel like it or not, they are just releasing it. And they are free. And she says, wow, my back was sore, but my back's feeling good. And often it's amazing how it's linked, that we hold on to these things. But let's bring them before God. Unbelief. Bill Johnson says, fear of God is healthy, but a fear of unbelief is what we must be terrified of. Weak faith can at least grow, but unbelief is a spirit not to be tolerated. In any area of our lives that doesn't have hope is under the influence of a lie. Did you know that? Just look back. Just look back and test it and see. Wherever you don't have hope, you're believing a lie. God's promises always bring hope. 
You know what a promise is, and I love this. This is encouraging. Bill Johnson says, God went into your future and saw where you would be, and he came back with a word necessary to get you there. That is encouraging. I remember when I was, we were praying with uh, Clinton and Liesl, I'll end with the story, and we were, they had sadly just miscarried, and their hearts were broken, and they were in our lounge, and Trevor and Albert was there, and Dan was there, and we were all heartbroken for them, and God had already taken them through this journey of being reconciled and all of this, and um, in that loss, I felt the Spirit of God rise up in me and say, she is going to fall pregnant and have the baby before Christmas. And I just thought, I can't say this because it's just, and I'm just, it doesn't make any sense, Lord. And I, what if I'm wrong? And that's so, you know, and I, I was just wrestling with God. And then eventually I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to say it. And I could just see Trevor and them looking at me like, you did not just say that. But I believed and shortly after, Liesl fell pregnant and had Riley before Christmas, right? It was November and then that she had. And how we pray, God, we want to be pure vessels, but only if it makes sense in our minds. And so the words come in and it stops there. And we never are an encouragement to others. We never bring the words of life, the words of truth, the words of hope the words of promise because we are children of promise what sets us aside what is the difference between when people who don't know God who are walking through hard times and people who do know God are walking through hard times it says the Bible says that he will make our tears and our and the journey that we're going on he will turn it into a place of springs of joy he will turn a situation around there was, a, there was a lady that I read about that she had two beautiful children and they had, they had this strange disease and she lost both her children. She fell pregnant again. Everyone was excited. She had the third child. The third child contacted the same genetic disease. She died. All three children died. But when I was reading her story, she was so full of hope and promise. That is supernatural. That is not normal. A normal parent would say, I give up. That's it. It's the end of me. She said that though there were days like that, what took her out of that heartache? What took her out of that rut? It was taking the promises of God's word and it was reading it back to God. It was saying, God, your word says. So let's put to death unbelief. Let's put to death our, our understanding. I'm not saying switch off your brains, but I'm saying let's make sure that our hearts are open and full of faith. I want to pray for some people today. They're right on time. I want to pray for if you felt that this word struck a chord in your heart. Where you have felt, I'm going to call out many different things. I'm not going to ask you to stand up individually. Just all stand up at once if you feel that this is um, for you. But where you have felt complacent. God, you spoke a word to me many years ago. But I just thought that it was up to you to do it. You're not fighting for it. Almost even the desire is gone. It's like, I don't know if you've given up. You're discouraged, you're despondent, um, disappointed, and you've just let life get in the way. 
And you actually wanting to say, God, today I make a commitment that I'm going to be actively speaking your words over my life. I'm going to be actively speaking truth. And for those of you who uh, just have felt like God has been ministering to them through this sermon, I want you to stand. I have a few words for people, and I want people to gather around you and pray for you. So have an opportunity now before, between you and God. so we'll make this quick oh God you know the hearts of people God you, are, you, you work so specifically you work so intimately and God I ask that you would bring encouragement today I feel to remind you that, the, that God has not forgotten about you he's not forgotten the words have, that have been spoken over you And you said, but God, you're so silent. There are times when it's unbearable. But I feel like the wind of God's spirit is going to come now and just start to, to, to um, almost like whirlwinds over your heads where you're going to start to, um, there's going to be some activity, some activity. You're going to start to see those things start to happen. You're going to start to, um, that, that relationship with God is going to be kindled again. There are things that I just feel have been put back on the top shelf. And it's going to take you to open up those things on the top shelf, open them up and declare them again and read them and say, God, this was my heart then. It's now my heart again.